Dr. Phil, you've had the top-rated daytime talk show for the last seven years. That's incredible. Well, I do. And if you want to know my secret to be a number one for the last seven years, I'll tell just you since it's just you and I talk. <laughs> right. Oprah quit. <laughs> I was number two for 12 years, and then she quit. So then I became number one. That's what you got to do is get your good friends and mentor <laughs> hang it up, and then you get to move into that spot. Welcome to the National Defense. The National Defense is dedicated to the men and women who serve our country in active duty, our veterans, and their families. We're here for you. God bless you. We love you. On each episode, we look for people and stories with some connection to these heroes. I'm Randy Miller. Hey, the National Defense is now on Instagram. Follow us at Instagram.com forward slash the National Defense. Dr. Phil McGraw is one of the most well-known and trusted mental health professionals in the world, The host of TV's number one daytime talk show, Dr. Phil, now in its 19th season, this trailblazing and award-winning show continues to provide the most comprehensive forum on mental health issues in the history of television. We are so proud to have Dr. Phil on the National Defense. Dr. Phil, how are you? I am well, Randy, and thank you so much for having me on today. Hey, thank you for the time. This is fantastic. And I feel uh, like most people, like I know you. Um, I, I, and if you don't mind, I just want to start with my own problems. Uh, it, and it has to do with my wife and you because she is addicted to your show. Uh, I, I can't, uh, God forbid, the house catch on fire during the Dr. Phil show because she would say, let it burn. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because she emailed me a list of problems to go over with you here. <laughs> it's seven pages long. I don't know how much time we right. have. <laughs> right, right. I think I got the same list. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and, and, and you have that, uh, I don't know, what it, that attachment with uh, this show and, and – uh, you know, and and I've been watching you since you started, and in the show in its current form, boy, it's just so compelling. And I don't know if that's something that just how you evolved that way, or how do you think the show is right now compared to when you started? Well, you know, that's such an interesting question, and I, I I'm I reflected on that recently, and in. in Oprah and I were talking, and she was like, my God, can you believe it's 19 years on since you started this? And um, when you think about it, 19 years, when I started, the first text message I don't think had ever been sent. Yeah. There weren't social platforms. There was no Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. None of those things were going on. We lived in a completely different society. We, Of course, we had the Internet, but we didn't have the connectivity that we have today, and so we didn't have people getting information the way they do today. Um, Cyberbullying was not a thing. Right. Uh, there, there, so many things have evolved since we started, and so we've had to evolve with that because so many kids today face different issues than they did then. You know, you could you could make a mistake then uh, in Tulsa, and you had to live with it in Tulsa. Right. If you make a mistake now in in Boise, Idaho, and they're reading about it in Washington D.C. and Beijing. I mean, there is no local right. news anymore. Everything is national and and so distributed. So, 
everybody lives in much more of a fishbowl, and I think as a result, we've got a much more narcissistic society of people feeling like they need an audience. And not only that, everybody's an expert, right? I mean, why, oh do, my God. why do I need a mental health uh, professional when I got Google? Exactly. You just talk to Dr. Google or go on YouTube and they can show you how to figure out anything. The problem is one size doesn't fit all, so you've yeah. got to kind of take it all with a grain of salt. But there are upsides to it. I, you know, a lot of our young generation don't know what a library is. You know, I had to tell somebody yeah. today, it's a big building with books in it. <laughs> it's pretty sad. That's a pretty sad state. <laughs> How's your... It's a sad state, but I tell you what, I'm... I'm really proud that across 19 years, I think we've stayed, stayed true to our mission, which was to, li- to deliver common sense information, talking about things that matter to people who care, you know, finding out what they care about and, and, and talking to them about those things that matter. And in this day and time, if you can come to people's living rooms or, or their television every day and use common sense language to discuss relationships and feelings about yourself or depression, anxiety, goals, dreams, all the things that we don't teach in school. uh, That just seems to me to be the highest and best use that I could make of television. So, uh, and we, I think we've really tried to stay true to that. Yeah, and it's actually television that helps people. It's television that you learn stuff, and and the, the and, and not just for the people on the show. I mean, I think there are a lot of people, and you do a great job of this identifying people that represent a larger segment of the population that will get that same information out of that. Right? Yeah, we try to use every guest as a teaching tool. And so we try to choose those stories that we think um, are relatable to as big a portion of the audience uh, as we possibly can. And, you know, one of the things that I've been proudest about is I, I hear so much from our men and women that are deployed around the country, around the world, uh, outside the country. And, you know, they say that they watch the show because it's a reminder of family. It's a reminder yeah. of, they're talking about not war, they're not talking about you know, the, the dangers that they face every day. They're talking about, they get to listen to talk about things like you know, your children and how they're doing and getting them motivated. And it's just kind of a reminder about what really matters. And so it's really interesting to hear that the show is really popular around the world among the troops. And I I take that as a great honor and and very, very seriously. Well, and thank you for saying that. And that that is true. And I think a lot of people, that's why we do this show. And as a, as a little break from the action, a little something else to think about for a while. And I think the thing that people get into with the military, especially, I think everybody kind of puts the military in one bracket. I mean, they're just like me and you. I mean, you know, they get the same kind of problems. They're they're Republicans. They're Democrats. They're it used to be. And I know probably in Texas it was this way, too, Phil, where. You know, down the block, you knew a guy that that served in the army. That you knew two doors down from you, you was a guy in the navy. It's not like that anymore. Nobody nobody knows who served in their neighborhood, even or maybe in their city. And so, when when those kind of things happen, it does make them feel like home. 
Yeah, that's the thing. If you could, particularly during this time of year, Randy, when uh, you know people are deployed and it's it's such a strange time at home, and people are being made to ask or are being asked to make sacrifices here now uh, by not traveling and and being together. That's nothing compared <laughs> to the sacrifices that the men and women deployed around the world are making by being away from family, not just over these these few days of the holiday, but for months and months at a time. And we really need to stop and think that there are those people that are out there making that sacrifice so the rest of us can be safe, so the rest of us can you know, put our heads on our pillow every night and and know that there's somebody out there uh, watching out for our country and for each of us individually. And I never miss an opportunity if I'm on the street uh, to someone in uniform, whether it's a, a military or a firefighter or a police officer, to, to stop and go over and shake his or her hand and say thank you for your service because people don't don't realize what a sacrifice they make personally as human beings, not just the skill sets that they've attained, but what they sacrifice personally to do that. And, and you know, being all volunteer, that's a big, big deal. Right, right. We're talking to Dr. Phil McGraw here in the National Defense. And, you know, you, you talk about, uh, I love to hear people whine about wearing a mask. And I go, you know, try wearing a mask and defending the country. Try those two things. Do do those. And and then you kind of get a perspective on you know, what that kind of sacrifice is. But now you've had uh, many veterans on the show. Uh, a lot of uh, talk about PTSD as well, right? We've had so many that are suffering from PTSD. And I've done everything I, I can to try to get people to realize that there is no shame in PTSD, and to recognize this isn't just a psychological phenomenon. Um, PTSD involves changes to the brain. It involves changes in the neurotransmitters, sometimes in the anatomy of the brain, and you just can't white-knuckle or think your way through that. It is repairable in most cases, even if it's PTSD with traumatic brain injury. There are ways to deal with that, but we're trying to get people to recognize that this is a real thing and that it actually involves changes in the brain, and you can't just ignore that. Yeah, and I think we're finally getting to the point, Phil, and you can tell me if this is uh, kind of your take on this, where it's getting to be much less of a stigma because it used to be you you didn't tell anybody that you thought you had PTSD, even if you were convinced you did. But now I think you know a lot of things have led to that. Uh, the acceptance of, of people with PTSD, certainly uh, the different treatments and whether it's equine therapy or uh, some other yoga or whatever it is. But but I think it's kind, kind of gotten to the point now where more people can admit that and seek treatment for it. Well, I do think the narrative has moved uh, the understanding and the acknowledgement of PTSD to the forefront where there's no, there's so much less judgment and shame about it. And you know what I really, really am hoping to see more change in is sometimes people that suffer from PTSD and they say, well, okay, where did you see action? They say, well, I was never shot at. I was never blown up. And look, 
That has nothing to do with right. post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. What has to do is if you have been in a situation where you felt threat, where you uh, were juxtaposed to it, and you went into a prolonged fight-or-flight reaction that changed your body chemistry, changed your brain. This isn't something that's just reserved for somebody that was sitting next to an ammunition dump if it blew up or were in a firefight. This can affect so many people for so many different reasons, and there's absolutely no shame in it whatsoever. Yeah, that's exactly right. We're talking to Dr. Phil here on the National Defense. Uh, And Dr. Phil, you've had the top-rated daytime talk show for the last seven years. That's incredible. I mean, that's, that is, uh, you know, I don't know how, <laughs> how often that has happened, but uh, people love what you have to say. And I love the fact that you also bring your family on and you, and you make them work like dogs on the show. Well, I do. And if you want to know my secret to be a number one for the last seven years, I'll tell just you since it's just you and I talk. <laughs> right. Oprah quit. <laughs> Hey, you t- I was number two for all. I was going to say you'd take a number two to Oprah, wouldn't you? I was number two for twelve years, and then she <laughs> quit. So then I became number one. That's what you got to do: is get your good friends and mentor <laughs> hang it up, and then you get to move into that spot. Hey, I've interviewed your son Jay before uh, many years ago. He had just written a book. I want to say it was about uh, dealing with problems as a teenager, and. Uh, and he was great. He was just a smart guy, uh, and I know he's part of the McGraw uh, domain now and is part of the, uh, I guess, doing some kind of uh, executive producing as well, right? Well, he, he is, and thank you for saying that. I'm proud of both my boys. Jay uh, is married to Erica and has two children, uh, Avery in London, and then Jordan uh, has just married a beautiful girl, uh, Morgan Stewart, and they have a, a child on the way due on uh, Valentine's Day. Of oh, all wow. Things. And, uh, yes, Jay is um, uh, executive producer of several shows that we do. We have a lot of different shows, and he's executive producer of several of those. And he's the founder of Doctor on Demand, uh, which is a telemedicine company, among some others. And my young son, Jordan, uh is a very successful uh, musician. He's a rock and roll pop musician oh, guy. Wow. Just a hundred city tour uh, opening for the Jonas Brothers around the world. And, <laughs> not a bad gig. Uh, yeah, not a bad gig at all. Uh, so both of them are healthy and, and successful and got families going. And I, I just have no complaints whatsoever. You know, Robin and I have been married 44 years. We've been together 50, uh, just almost 50. And uh, to have two healthy sons with beautiful wives and, and young families starting and all is just about all you can ask for. Well, congratulations on all of that. And, and anybody that watches the show knows that Robin is a she, she's a powerhouse all in herself. But I didn't know that you, uh, you know, you talked about your different shows. Uh, you also... Uh, the executive producer, and uh, I guess had the idea for the uh, CBS series Bull, right? Right. That's a show that's on uh, Monday night. I love that and, show. That's uh, a great show. We have a lot of fun with that. It's based on my life before Dr. Phil, back when I had a real job. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, 
at a trial science firm that worked in litigation. And uh, so Dr. Jason Bull is kind of loosely based on uh, what I did professionally. We've taken a lot of liberties with his personal life, but uh, based on what I did professionally in helping lawyers take complex things to trial and uh, win our fifth season, and it's just going great. Couldn't uh, be more proud of that. We also do the doctors, and uh, we do Daily Mail TV. Uh, we have a new show called, uh, very cleverly entitled, That Animal Rescue Show. We figured that's what everybody would refer to it as. So we just right, named it exactly. That Rescue You're right, show. yeah. That's <laughs> um, on CBS All Access. And uh, so we've got a lot of things going on. But we, we have a good time and uh, and and love it. This is this is a great country, and we're, we're just proud to be here. And that's why I say I always take time to thank those that are out there keeping America safe. Oh, man. Can you imagine being the attorney on the other side and, and Dr. Phil walks in to, <laughs> to talk to you about your client? That's when you go, uh, can we have lunch? Have lunch? I mean, that's, that would be a scary prospect. I, I miss, man, I loved your Letterman appearances, Dr. Phil. I mean, that those were so great, and I've heard some stories about how that that started. Um, can you kind of fill us in on that? Well, depends on what you heard. Well, <laughs> I, I heard that initially, I guess uh, David Letterman was not a fan of yours, and 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 maybe made it known to some people. And you said, uh, "I'm going to go on there and take care of this kind of thing." Well, you know, he was. Um Actually, I think it was all in good fun, but he, he had this series he was doing where he would take things out of context uh, called Words of Wisdom from Dr. Phil. Oh, that's right. That's right. He would take like half sentences and put them together and you know pick words out of sentences and make up things that I never really said, but it, they were my voice, but they were just words that were all pieced together, so they made nonsense. Now, I can sound nonsensical enough without any help, but uh, he and his comedy writers were doing this. They were hitting me pretty hard. My favorite one was he introduced a new book I supposedly had written called More Advice I Pulled Out of My Ass by Dr. <laughs> Phil. Uh, that, that was my favorite. Um, and uh, so I, I decided, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to go on the show and they they'd always do a pre-interview before the show, and the uh, executive producer called and said, okay, we want to do the pre-interview. And I said, well, okay, here it is. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to talk about, and we can be nice or we can be nasty. And I don't care which, and you don't need to tell me in advance. I'll see you tomorrow night. Ah, oh, that's great. That's great. And that was it, and uh, we had a great time, and I did that show dozens of times, and uh, I really hated to see him go. He's yeah. uh, one of the smartest, uh, wittiest, uh, quickest guys yep. that's ever been on the air. I thought he, he, I thought he was great. Yeah, I think, and your and your uh, appearances were always so memorable. I mean, you know, that's that had to be uh, that turned into a great thing for them too. I think. Yeah, but I think it was good for them, and I always had fun doing it. And you know, we got to be really good friends. I, I introduced his his clips and stuff when he was nominated for Emmys and things. It was we we had a lot of fun. I was sorry to see him uh, hang it up, but he had been doing it a long, long right. time. So I totally got it. Talking to uh, Dr. Phil McGraw here in the National Defense, and now you're in the podcast. I mean, I don't know how you have time. 
first of all, even to be talking to us. But I mean, with everything you got going on, and now you got uh, several podcasts, and I get a little confused about which ones. Let me just run down the the names here and see if I get these. Uh, Mystery and Murder Analysis by Dr. Phil. That's one, right? That's one. Uh, Fill in the blanks. Fill in the blanks, right? Uh, Fill up the tank. Yep, fill up the tank. That's yours. Okay, that's right. That's mine. Uh, I did, uh, by the way, I, I really enjoy your conversations on the podcast. I listened to your conversation with Megan Trainer. Wow. That was really special. Isn't she a great talent? Oh, it, yeah, it, she's a great talent, but the, the things that you were able to draw out of her, I thought were exceptional. Well, you know, she's a really good friend and has been a big fan for a long time, as I have been of hers. And uh, so it was it was great to sit down. You know, when I sit down with somebody like that, I don't like to do the typical sort of publicist gives you these questions you right. can ask, blah, 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 blah. I, I don't do that. I don't ambush people, but I just want to talk to the person. I don't want to talk to the to the image of the personality, just the person. And I'm willing to do the same thing in return. Uh, and you, and I think people are interested to see who people really are. Yes, absolutely. I've done that with Shaq and, you know, Charles Barkley and, and you know, people that are iconically known around the world, but nobody's ever really gotten to know them as a person. Right. And that's what we've really focused on. You know, and I think in, in, in this time that we're in with the pandemic, um, especially for me on this show, everybody's calling from home. Right. And, uh, you know, we had a interview with Donnie Osmond the other day. He said, uh, where, where are you? And I said, I'm in the basement. Where are you? And he said, no, what, what city? (laughs) I said, I, I got you. Exactly. Uh, but uh, but, it, but it, it does bring things down to kind of a, uh, a similar level to where everybody's going through the same thing. And it seems like, to me, they're willing to open up a little more. You know, I think when you're on um, the phone or you're on Zoom or some type of uh, remote uh, location and you don't have a studio audience in front of you, I think people are a little less inhibited. They don't feel right. as conspicuous. And so as a result, I think they are more forthcoming. They're a little more relaxed. Maybe they're on their home court, you know, they're right. in their own den or their own office or basement or man cave or, you know, whatever, wherever you might find him or her. And uh, so I, I think maybe you do get a, a different quality or, or tenor uh, to some of the interviews. That's what I found in yeah. cause we're doing a lot of zoom interviews right now as well. Now you mentioned Charles Barkley. Has he helped you a lot with the, with your golf game? He's uh, shown me exactly what not to do. <laughs> and so you can eliminate all of that. Uh, right. Yeah. He got the itch out of his swing. So <laughs> what is your, so I know you play golf and I know you, uh, you, you play tennis a lot. What is your rating in tennis? Uh, you know, my rating in tennis is I get the participation trophy. <laughs> you show up, huh? I show up every day, and I'm still looking for somebody I can beat. It's like I, I show up every day, but the people I play with, you know, they're all Division One college players in their day, or they played on the tour. Hell, I can't find anybody I can beat. I show up every day. That's right. So now, you know, we're, we're into uh, Christmas weekend here. It's the weirdest Christmas weekend that anybody's ever had. 
who's going to be at the Dr. Phil house this Christmas weekend? Randy, did you ever think in our lifetime we would be in this kind of situation or scenario? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, a, a year ago, uh, none of us had the word pandemic in our daily oh. uh, vocabulary. I, I didn't even know what Zoom was. Right, but, you know, right. Now I'm talking to my family members on Zoom. And, um, you know, Robin and I are very much supportive of of all the efforts to stem the tide of this pandemic. And so this this Christmas, it's going to be she and I uh, here at home. Um, we're going to talk to our grandkids who are going to be with their mom and dad, Jay and Erica, uh, on Zoom, and we'll open presents that way. And we FaceTime with them a lot during the day and stuff. Um, and same with Jordan and Morgan, uh, you know, she's pregnant. And so, yeah, I think when you've got someone that's, that's pregnant and then you've got kids and stuff, I I just think it's not the time to take the risk of getting together for one day. And, uh, you know, all of us are in quarantine, but, you know, I think, A, we need to set a good example, and B, I think we need to do whatever we can to take care of ourselves so we don't go out and infect someone else. And is that a sacrifice? Of course it is, but it's so little that we're being asked to do right right now. And I know it seems like such a big thing because everything is exaggerated this, this holiday weekend, and... So, you know, we, we had a very different Christmas morning, but that's okay. We'll, this will get, the, the tide will turn. Yes. This vaccine is going to, I think, have a profound effect. Yep. And I'll take it when it's my turn. And, uh, you know, when we're able to do so, you know, we'll get together and we'll celebrate then. Uh, can can I, I, I think we have to do what we need to do. Can I, can I see any more shots of people getting shots? I, I, I've seen a thousand people. With a needle in their arm. <laughs> I want to know who picked the woman that faints when she gets a shot. <laughs> oh, that's money. That's TV money. I mean, who who was in charge? Like, like, how many nurses have we got here? Like, 800? Okay, give me the one that faints when you give her a shot. Yeah, who's, we want that to be our leader who's, here, who, our lead example. Raise, uh, raise your I, hand I, if I you're... I wonder what that person is going to do for a job. Raise your hand if you're squeamish. Yeah, okay, we'll take you. Uh, I'm sure nobody foresaw it coming, and, and everybody had a, a laugh about it. Unfortunately, she wasn't hurt that kind of caught her, but uh, I, I sure have all the respect in the world for these first-line responders oh, because I had to go to the emergency room uh, about a friend recently at Cedar sinai and uh, wow. Uh, it, that place was wall to wall. And yeah. we've got people that walk in there every night and stand in front of these people and put themselves in harm's way. So God bless them for doing it. Yeah, and I'll pass that along. My my daughter lives in uh, Los Angeles, and her boyfriend is an anesthesiologist at uh, Cedars-Sinai. And boy, you know, just to uh, kind of h- keep him in check is uh, is one thing. But this is going to be the first Christmas ever that uh, my daughter didn't get to uh, participate in person, you know, here at our house. But like I told her, I said, you know what, 
I, I, I'd rather see you when I can hug you. You know, that kind of a thing. That's right. I right. mean, maybe it'll be April, May, June, or whatever, but, boy, it's it's just going to be all the sweeter when it happens. Yep. And I do hope people use technology because, I tell you, Randy, there's a lot of research about loneliness and depression, and the research indicates that people that are suffering from loneliness do have medical issues that are complicated by those feelings of loneliness. And that even looking at pictures of loved ones can cause that loneliness to abate. Now, add to that a phone call, add to that a FaceTime or a Zoom session where you see them and you can share a laugh right. and show each other uh, something that's going on in your life at the time. They can see the kitchen they usually sit in. All of those things are connected to emotional memories that bring back good feelings. So I really encourage everyone to use every tool they have to, to reach out and, and close that gap, at least te- technologically, until they can do it physically. Yeah, and thank goodness that we have the technology now, right, during the, this pandemic. Can you imagine 10 years ago? You know, oh, t- my God, you'd have to get a sketch artist to have them go by and throw something out the window. <laughs> you know, my daughter was, she was really broken up about not, not coming in. I, and she said, my favorite part is is uh, uh, opening the stocking uh, on Christmas morning. And I said, I'll mail you the stocking. And you can do a Zoom call and you open it. And so exactly. You're, you're exactly right. No, you're, you're right on. Do you miss having a studio audience? Randy, it's a big thing for me uh, because I I really, we have very dedicated fans and our audiences are booked like a year in advance. So it's not just random people right. stumbling in off the street and they're, they're really into and believe in what we do. And I use them as a barometer to see if I've made my point, you know, if they're not right. along with you or you can, you know, see acknowledgement in their eyes, like I get it then you know to move on. It helps with the pacing of the show, knowing what you need to do, and do you need to stay with us a little longer, or can you move on? And we have a virtual audience now, and they are great. Yes. That, uh, I, I love that aspect of it. It's to see them and read them because they're behind me now in the big screens and stuff, so I really miss that live studio audience, and I, I look forward to having them back. Well, Dr. Phil, listen, I, I thank you so much for your time today. I, I, I greatly appreciate it. I uh, really appreciate your your words of encouragement to our uh, military and our, and our troops right now. And uh, I'd like to, uh, we, we've had, uh, we've got a, a list of uh, celebrity military advisors. Tom Hanks is on the list, Bradley Cooper. I'd like to add you to that list. And all that means is if you see anybody that you think should be on this show, Tell them to call us. Well, listen, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be a great recruiter for you. And yeah, I want to say to all the men and women deployed around the country, uh, you may be out of sight, but you are not out of mind. I've talked to so many families, and you are uppermost in their minds. You are uppermost in their hearts. They just they, they can't think enough about you and the sacrifice that you're making, and they all look so forward uh, to having you back where they can give you that hug and and get that hug, and hopefully that will be sooner rather than later, but 
you know, we, we're, we're so proud of the military and so appreciative of everything that they do. And I say the same thing about all the veteran men and women that we have that are back home now. And I, I wish we did a better job of showing that and a better job of taking care of them with like PTSD and all you're saying. But just know there are a bunch of us out here that think about you, care about you, love you, and wish you nothing but the best in this coming year. Man, that, mean, that means so much. And, and it, the, the only other thing, Dr. Phil, is there's, I mentioned my wife to you. Her name, her name is Renee. And uh, I, I bought one of those little ornaments that you can record a voice onto an ornament. Would you please say something to Renee that I can, uh, I can gift to her and uh, that she, she might like me again? Absolutely. Do you just tell me when to start? You go, go right ahead. All right. Renee, give Randy a break. He's doing the best he can. Most men are out of their depth in a parking lot puddle when it comes to relationships and emotions. <laughs> We're just feeling our way along. Give him a break. It's the holiday season. He loves you. That is tremendous, Dr. Phil. Thank you so much. Hey, all my best to you and your family. Thank you for the uh, great entertainment, the great, uh, uh, the, the great problem solving that you, you've given us over the years. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Randy, and uh, Happy New Year to you and the best in 2021. Let me know anytime I can help in any way. You know, you don't have to be a five-star general to be involved with the national defense. You can subscribe and leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to the national defense. The national defense is written and hosted by me, Randy Miller, and executive produced by Nate Heron. Be sure to visit us online at thenationaldefense.com.